Hello, friends. Welcome back. That's right. You know the drill by now. So, this is the beginning of Arc 3 in the first manifest of the story of La Rosa Blanca. For those who need a quick reminder, the first manifest, which is my word for season, is called Down Among the Dead Men. And we've already gone through two arcs, the first being the Makaro arc, and the second being the Rose of the Atabayan. And now we come to the third. This is the Aragostan arc. And I'll let you make of that what you will. Both officers Keith and Nightingale's eyes have gone so wide that I could plate food on them. <laughs> now, on a more serious note, there is a trigger warning in this episode. While I don't normally believe in spoilers, in an effort to keep you safe and well, there is NPC death in this episode, as well as heavy themes of despair, themes of indentured servitude, and abuse. So get settled, because we kick this arc off with a bang. <clears throat> Article 23. The Ghost in White. Now, which direction did you leave the island from? Back the way we came. Nowhere near the swamp. Yeah. No, we're done with the swamp. Okay. You're like, nah, I'm, I'm not going that way. Okay, cool. So you are in the channel of Sinbita in between that archipelago of islands and Fort Freedom. So you are back in that channel. Jesse looks over to Wayland, who is with him right now. How are you feeling? Everything okay? Yeah. How are you feeling? It's heavy, Wayland. This burden. I placed it on myself, but it still doesn't change how heavy it weighs. I think they're all burdens we have to carry, and I don't know if they'll ever go away, but I don't know, I like to think this at least. The longer we carry that weight, the more we get used to it, the stronger we become. I'm trying to free myself, but the more I do that, the more I realize he's everywhere, or at least his influence is everywhere. He's tied up in so much of... What goes on in the Atabian? Like I'm being suffocated. I can understand that. I felt like that before. My mother made a deal with him and was ready to give her life. Aye. To protect you. That was her choice. That was something she wanted to do because of how much she cares about you. I think everything she did is because she cared about you. Yeah. No one forced her to do that. Don't get me wrong, the situation might have forced her hand, but we can't control the situations we're put in. Or choice words, Wayland. Ah, shit. <laughs> Wayland's like embarrassed and then just laughs along with you. <laughs> Jesse punches your shoulder. I'm joking, you bastard. Uh, <laughs> Fine. I've lived with it for a year now. I wouldn't say I'm at peace. Some days I feel more desperate than I was back when that happened. I've come to terms with the fact that it is a part of me now. Yeah. Waylon just gives one last squeeze on Jesse's shoulder. He gives him a quick hug. Oh, thanks for coming with me. Jesse, I'd follow you anywhere. Capitano! 
Uh, yeah, hey, Ross, what's up? It's an ATC ship. Uh, oh, great. Where is it coming from? It's off in the distance, ahead of you. You're still under the island's hidden weirdness. Everyone, hold on. Let's slow us down for a moment. Bring the sails to half. Wayland, take your spyglass out. Yeah, it's immediately. The ship is the HMS Relentless. Who is she? Oh, no. Captain? Yep. You need to see this. He pulls out his own spyglass. I mean, he's got good eyesight. He doesn't have that good eyesight. The HMS Relentless is not the pride of the ATC. She is the Force. This is the ship that they send out to hunt pirates. She is a heavily armed carrack, or great ship, sometimes referred to as ships of the line. She is heavily armored. You can see at least 40 guns, which means that the other side has at least 40 more. Her keel is almost 100 feet. You can make out at least 100 soldiers, all dressed in their standard ATC regalia. The other 100 or so bodies running about the ship are the able seamen running her with efficiency. And while this ship is at least twice the size of yours, you do remember, Jesse, that she was very slow, but that never stopped her from hunting you, day in and day out, for nigh on a month. Even at night, you weren't safe. You were constantly on the move for 21 long days until she chased you out into the open ocean during a storm and lost you in the Seven Sea. The only changes that you're immediately aware of on this ship is that there are more guns than there were before. Captain, this isn't good. Yep, I'm well aware. Are you okay? How are you is the better question. Give me a scale of one to ten. Where are you at? I love how you ask, how are you? No. Okay, cool. Good to know. Ask me about in about two hours. All right. Maybe five. Maybe tomorrow. Ask me tomorrow. There's a tomorrow. All right. What's the plan here? Well, unfortunately, we're outclassed by them, so we cannot fight. Aye. Roz drops down. Capitano, we are about to leave the weirdness of the island. We are about to just appear out of nowhere, and they are right in front of us. I'm pulling the veil. That's our only option right now. I'll inform the rest of the crew what we're up against. All hands, keep an eye on each other. Right away, Capitano. And he speaks rapidly in Castilian to his other riggers, and they start to unfurl. Yep, I'm gonna head to Mama Coco. Mama Coco is at the helm. What's going on? Verison, there is an ATC vessel ahead of us. They haven't spotted us yet. We're still within the shimmer of the island. It's... It's the Relentless. Mama Coco blinks. Once. They are as their name implies. So that's something they have going for them. Do you want to dig to him? Yeah, I think so. Please. She passes it off. Are there any stipulations... With this veil, do we all need to be quiet? Should I douse the lights? That's a great question. Jesse knows the consequences, right? From what Sonya has said, something terrible happens the longer you hold these sails out. You're about to use Sirnith weirdness. Anything could happen. That's very, very true. This is an interesting experiment. 
Happy thoughts, Ferrisen. Happy thoughts. Straight on till morning, then. And Mama Coco walks down the decks. Jesse looks up and quietly says, Till death do us part. The second that the sails unfurl, they drop down and you all feel like you've been misted with water. The camera is positioned away from the ship. It's not on deck or seeing anybody's faces. It's watching the ship cross the threshold of the barrier from the island and transition into this sort of ethereal mist that only seems to surround the ship. There is a steady twinkling of light. Almost what looks like glitter. Yeah. It's that misty rain that has some thick droplets every once in a while that catch the light at the right angle so that they glitter. And the ship comes out of the shelter of Lunaro Island and into the open water. I imagine as we come out, it just looks like a mist is rolling in the distance. Well, no, there's nothing. There's no mist or anything. It's supposed to hide you completely. To us on deck, there is a low-hanging mist. But from the outside, there is nothing. The camera transitions to show that. It catches the briefest instance of the veil's effect, and then it just vanishes. There's not even the wake of the ship on the water just gone oh that's spooky and it's us we are spooky yeah and you guys come alongside the relentless and on the other side of the relentless is another ship i am holding up two imaginary hero points okay (laughs) we just fight to the death right now i love you i love you too (laughs) Headshot. And we're going to pop over to the writer's room, and I'll explain why I'm giving you these hero points. All right. So this is the first time that I've, out of the blue, offered you hero points. And the reason for that is because I am introducing a mechanic that has followed me throughout my gaming career called a cutscene. Much like in your favorite video game, the cutscene is when the two black bars show up and the only thing that you can do is skip the dialogue because there is a scene that needs to play out in front of you. I use this tool to up the stakes, to drive the plot forward, sometimes to introduce new characters, and sometimes to show scenes that the players aren't even involved in. Background things, or sting cuts in most films, you know, the thing that plays at the end of the credits. This means that my players don't have agency in this scene. They cannot dictate what happens. Which is why, because I'm taking away the agency from them, I'm giving them further agency for later, which is what the hero points are for. So, Patrick and Evan, will you take these hero points? Okay, take a hero point. What happens if he takes it and I don't? (laughs) I say no. You don't have to, but you can't skip this one. Oh, okay. Do we get context to the cutscene? Well, you're at sea with... Cut cut scene. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, You... you Yeah, I'll take my hero. Okay, great. And away we go. Our camera view narrows as two black bars come on screen. One above, one below. As we pass the front of the Relentless... We can see on the other side of her is a very small, 
and very ruined sloop, the deck of which is absolutely in tatters. There are barrels spilled everywhere, some floating in the water. The canvas is ripped and torn. The mast itself seems to have been chopped down by hand. And one of the officers is tearing apart a black flag, which had a skeletal marlin on it. It's the silverfin? This is the silverfin. No. A gangplank has been waylaid onto the silverfin, and there are several soldiers surrounding four people on their knees. And in front of those four people is an elderly pirate that you both recognize. Captain Kip seems in high spirits, even though he's been beaten bloody and bruises are starting to well up near his eye and on his cheek. And in front of Captain Kip stands a woman. She's dressed in pristine clothing, so blue that it makes the ocean jealous. Her fair, perfect skin seems to shine in the sunlight. Her red hair is the color of hot blood, which is tied precisely and neatly in a single braid and bound up in a bun, not a hair touching her collar. If one were to guess her age based off of her looks, she'd seem no older than twenty. However, her rigid stance, her stoic face, and her stern brow are indicative of a military upbringing, and when she speaks, it is with undeniable authority. Now, Jim Kipler... I'd be begging your pardon, miss, but... Only me friends can call me Jim. Captain Kip, if you please. Captain Kip, it appears you have five chances to tell me the whereabouts of La Rosa Blanca. Ah, now, miss, me eyes are going. I, I haven't seen that ship for a good long while now. She could be anywhere, to be honest. I'm glad you're being honest. It's the only thing keeping you alive right now. A roll of parchment is handed to her from one of her subordinates. While I was checking your quarters for any illegal paraphernalia that the trading company frowns upon, I found these. And she unrolls Jessie's maps. Care to explain? Ah, now, miss, I got those a while ago. Me memory's not as good as it used to be, I... And then a gunshot goes off, and one of the crew members dies. Four chances. Miss, to be clear, I, I'm not sure what you're after. It's, do you want to know where they were, or where I got me maps? Because... Three. Parley! Leave me crew out of this, and I'll go with you to Fort Freedom. I... I don't parlay with pirates. Last chance. Captain Kip snorts, and it's a wet sound, and spits in her face. I'll let old Jonah know to get a room ready for you, Captain Scarlet. The woman stands up, turns on her heel. As she lifts her hand to reach into her front lapel, she flicks her fingers, and all of the soldiers that were on the Silverfin destroying it immediately stand to attention and head back to the Relentless. 
As Captain Scarlet cleans her face with a monogrammed handkerchief, she says aloud to her entire crew, The Silver Finn has a pressing engagement with the Devil Jonah. Let's not keep Captain Kip any longer. And the moment that her foot steps on the deck, the cannons fire. The sound is cacophonous. Forty guns erupt nearly in unison. The small sloop is turned to splinters in seconds. And in the spray of sea and the tendrils of smoke from the cannons, Silverfin is gone. We cut back to the La Rosa Blanca. Everyone on deck is silent. Mama Coco, who is bleeding from the ears slightly, stands up from her hunched position and she looks frantically in the water for any sign. Roz drops down from the ropes, puts a hand on her shoulder, and shakes his head sadly. No one says a word. Some crew members don't even move, but before too long, Charles rouses them by being the first to go back to work. And the black bars recede from the screen. As soon as Jesse saw that it was the silver fin, he stopped looking and was only looking forward. Oddly to most people, but to the crew, they understand how calm he needs to be. Wayland had to cover his mouth to keep from screaming and is gripping the railing hard enough to give himself splinters. You have a good another hour before you can safely roll up the sails because of how the Relentless is positioned. No chance that when the Relentless has moved on, we can double back to check the wreckage. Wayland, your eagle eyes reveal to you that rowboats are dropped from the Relentless and crew members are sifting through the wreckage to make sure there is nothing and no one left. Is Elliot on the deck? Absolutely. He had to describe to Mama Coco what was happening. Wayland just looks at Elliot, cold rage on his face, communicating, this is why we do what we do. This is why we hunt the ATC. As Elliot escorts Mama Coco downstairs to see Klaus, he catches your eye. And for the first time since you met him, Elliot is as cold and as silent as a gravestone. Roz eventually comes down from the rigging up to the captain. Capitano. Yeah. Might I be relieved for a moment to inform Ursa of what has happened? Go ahead, Ross. He doesn't get back in the rigging to swing over to where the staircase is. He walks the length of the deck down the stairs. As he is, eyes forward. There are some uncomfortable noises coming from below deck. A, I won't call it a whale, W-A-I-L, but it's definitely a sound of mourning coming from Ursa, as well as several heavy thuds and some Castilian assuring. Agnes. Jesse, you noticed that she was walking, attending to her duties and checking ropes and lines and typical cabin girl duties. Her head swivels, but then stops 
and then her whole body turns to face that direction. She almost has to tear her eyes away from whatever it is she's seeing to look at you. She looks pale. Now she's pale to begin with. She's from the Highland Marches. She looks as white as the Widow's Veil right now. Her facial expression does not show fear, but all of the color seems to have gone from her, making her hair look a little bit more red than it normally is. Jesse doesn't move, but his eyes flick over the port side. You see the faint outline of a ship. Raz, he stamps his foot on the deck. A couple of seconds later, there's scampering, and he comes up top. Ay, Capitano! Look alive. We got company. And he looks off the port and grabs a rope and hoists himself into the rigging, heads up to the crow's nest. Capitano, I don't see anything. Pulls out a spyglass and takes a look. You don't see anything anymore. How far are we from the Relentless? Not far enough, Capitano. A league or so. All the sails to follow. See. Si. Waylon, do you check your own spyglass? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You don't see anything off the port bow. There's nothing. Head on a swivel, then. But on the starboard bow. <laughs> on the starboard bow, you see a ship. Oh, fuck. Yep. It's pretty close. That's not right. I'll walk up to Jesse. Captain. Yeah. Shadow of a ship, starboard bow. Oh, great. It's moving. What ship is that, Captain? Oh, uh, well, she told us a story. Shit. That... More than likely is Captain Barlow. Think she'll leave us be. <laughs> Only if we pull up the sails. We fed her enough to spare to last her a month. All of a sudden, you hear this high voice calling to you. Everybody on ship can hear it because they all look in the direction of where the voice is coming from for them. For Roz, looking down at the deck. Agnes, he's looking out at port. Charles, he's looking towards Aragosta. And both of you hear it coming from behind you. Snap around. A quarter mile behind you, you see a ship, a frigate, two masts illuminated like a beacon in the mist. The figurehead is of a crying woman that seems to have saltwater tears constantly leaking from her eyes. The white dress that she is wearing seems to flow directly into the mist that's creating the ship. It doesn't even appear to be made of wood, but smoke. And every once in a while, the water will splash up and create a rippling effect of light. The widow is upon you and approaching fast. Ah, uh, cool. Oh, dearie me. I'm gonna need you guys to roll me a wrist. Yep, 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 yep. Okay. What do we got for approaches? What is her goal in this? Is just to kill us all? I don't know. I want you to think about what Sonya told you. Do you remember what she told you when she found those sails? That it was on a ship that had nobody on it? Yep. I've given you all the details that you need. You do not want her to catch you. No, we do not. Do you want me to spill the beans? Nope. No. Mm-mm. Hell no, gamers. Okay. Pat, did you take a point in empathy? I did. I have two points in empathy. 
Empathy is going to be a good approach here. Might be nice to have someone to mellow the spirits. Yeah, I think that'll be my job here. Oh, okay. I am going around to each member of the crew. I know what we saw today. I know how horrible that was. But we have to go because if that ship catches us, we won't be around to grieve Captain Kip. We won't be around to tell his story and his story deserves to be told. Yeah. Rally the crew because that's part of the downfall of running the Widow's Veil so long is that eventually she either catches you or the crew gives in to despair. Yeah. Resolve and empathy. Or wits and empathy as well. Or panache. You know what? Panache is a good one. Panache and empathy. Take two for flair. All right, Jesse, what do we got? Pull out my letter of mark to her. I don't think showing your letter of mark. Yeah. Take this Spain. I like that that's the solution every time. Jesse goes to pull out a sheet of paper from his coat and Professor Oak in the background. <laughs> There's a time and place for everything. Just, just not, not now. <laughs> I imagine we're sailing. I hate that it's always same thing. We encounter these situations all the time and I just, I don't have anything. I think I should just put you in more social situations. Yeah, but like, I like this kind of stuff. Not that I don't like social stuff, but like, this kind of stuff is very fun. That's his thing, is sailing and talking and being cool. Right now, sailing stuff, there's not a lot I can do. I mean, if Waylon says anything to upset or infuriate Layla, you could be like, oh, honest misunderstanding. Yeah, I have Bramble stuff now. I have Fencer, but I'm not fighting her. I mean, you could. Well, that's not my approach. He wants to try to see if he can take the brunt of the despair. He wants to be able to intercept it because currently it's his crew who's in front of him, you know, metaphorically and literally. He is what is between Layla and them. So he's not doing this for him. He's doing this for them. His resolve to hold his despair and their despair while staying on course and not wavering and just continuing. So resolve and sailing. Yep. Take two for flare. Do not forget all of your bonus extra dice and the fun stuff. I have my quick reflexes. Evan, what's the wording on sea legs? One bonus die on any physical risk while on the sea. Okay, so this isn't necessarily a physical risk. Sea legs absolutely works. I made it canonically known that the ship can just appear places. It is a ghost ship. You might have to perform some deftly maneuvers to get away. I love it. I am going to argue that this is a dangerous situation. Very true. So, Wheelman. Wheelman works. Hey, how many folks have laid their eyes upon this here lass? Not many. <laughs> you go ahead and you take your sweet, sweet hero point. Oh, I did. I am currently at four. Question. Answer. Would the despair of the widow count as sorcery? It technically counts as sorcery. Not that. Pat, don't forget the air goes in the background. Get one free raise. Your consequences and opportunities. Waylon. Since you're involving the crew. It's the leeches again. <laughs> it's always leeches. They're back. 
Charles will try to fire upon the widow in anger. Agnes will try to leave the ship in fear. Mama Coco will try to summon Agwe in desperation. Oh boy. There is an opportunity. You can enlist the help of someone who isn't affected by the despair. Ooh, yeah. Okay. And the consequences for Jesse, our good boy captain. The widow has ensnared you in her web. What you're hearing, what I've described, her singing, the crew falling to despair. You're in the widow's web right now. If she casts lines and boards, that it's over. It is three raises to escape. Jonah himself will not let you be tethered to this curse because he's a selfish bastard. So there's two raises to overcome the influence of Jonah. And there's an opportunity present. Find out a connection between the curse of the widow and Jonah. It's always Jonah. Always Jonah. He's got his silly little fingers and everything. And now we move on to hero points. Are you guys going to help each other? Or are you not going to take your stupid bullshit virtue? Because it is the sun. It is glorious and proud. Well, I know right off the bat that I will spend one on Wayland. Is this a in-the-moment kind of help? Yes. Okay, cool. Let's transition out real quick. All hands. Eyes up. We hunt the ATC for good reasons. Let that one be added to the list. We are in this together. Don't forget that. We're all here for one another, especially in times like this. We think to our future. The bright sun of Aragosta. The clanging of coins and glasses. The songs and stories of those we haven't seen. And the stories and songs of those we've lost. Home. For the safety of all of us, we cannot let what happened control our emotions right now. The veil feeds on that. Keep your heads up. I think our previous conversations and the entire discussion that we had about self-sacrifice, putting your needs above others, that is what Jesse is doing right now. Doing what Wayland so often does, putting himself in front of the path of the storm so that the rest of the crew gets out all right. And Wayland remembering everything that Paga said to him, everything that he had dealt with with Shade, takes a deep breath and puts that away. Oh, you know I love to see moments like that. Both of you take three extra dice. Three dice taken. How many dice is your pull right now? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, twelve. Me too. I've got five from Resolve and Sailing, two for Flare, Sea Legs, one from Wheelman, and three from Patrick. Perfect. I also going to introduce something new. Great. Now, this is a ghost ship. She spooky, she's scary. She's terrifying, really. In fact, she's so terrifying that she has a fear rank. Some things are so incredibly terrifying that they strike terror into the hearts of mere mortals. All risks against such a thing lose one die for each rank of fear they possess. The Widow has a fear rank of two. 
So you're going to lose two dice. Hang on. When you are affected by fear, when rolling a risk, he is involved in. During the risk, your tens explode. If your tens already explode to another effect, your nines explode as well. That sounds like Elliot's virtue. Do you want to activate that? Sounds pretty good. That's a hero point, yes? Absolutely. We'll do that right now. Zoe, the reason I had asked as far as if it counts as sorcery is resist it personally, but because it's affecting the entire crew, it's not targeting me directly. It is targeting you. It's not like an area of effect spell. Okay, yeah. That's my last hero point. I am going to spend a hero point to use Indomitable Will. She can get fucked. You want to read out what Indomitable Will does? After... Another character attempts to intimidate, seduce, or otherwise goad you, spend a hero point to automatically resist. I'm going to have to look that up and make sure that that's actually a thing you can do. I've only ever used fear once before, and nobody in the party had Indomitable Will, so fuck it. I'm going to have to poke the 7th C, dude. Sorry. No, it's fine. But not sorry. This is how I learn. I'm still learning as a GM, so there's that. I thought you did that on purpose. What? the fear thing so that I could use Indomitable Will. I did the fear thing to introduce the fact that fear is a mechanic in the game. I love that. Introduce the mechanic. Does not have to deal with the mechanic. Oh, now wait a minute. And we can't activate Elliot's virtue. That's fine. I would rather not be afraid. Yeah, okay. So I will take that point back. But that's good to know for the future. Funny enough, in other games, I love playing with fear. That's something that I love as a characteristic and a motif. And I use it a lot, which is why I don't want you to be afraid of things. Because fear sucks. Fear does suck. Yeah, never mind. There's no fear on you guys. Jesse feels that and he takes a deep breath and exhales heavily. And he says, I'm not married. I'm fine. I'm not married and I haven't lost anybody that I loved. So let's do the rolling of the bones. Do it. Bone rollers. I have three in the skill that I chose. So I'm going to re-roll a single die. That is a ten. Oh, we love it. We got a nine and a one. And a four and an eight. An eight and a two. Nine and a five. Another nine and a five. And two tens. Eight. Eight big ol' raises. Eight beans. <laughs> no reminders. No, none? Well, there was a remainder, and it was a seven. And then I re-rolled the remainder, and then it was a ten. So uh, I'm sorry. Beans. What do you got, Evan? Goodest boy over there. I have seven raises. I have two tens, five and a five, seven, three, eight, two, eight, two, six, four. What you holding up? Your Chaosium die. What you got there? That's a remainder. <gasps> yes! I will buy it! I have three glorious danger points. Who's first? So even though Jesse acts on eight, you actually have eight raises, so we're going to start with you. Goodness gracious. Okay. Now, the funny thing about the Widow, as you're looking at the ship... She's not flying any sails. Dix, we have them. Oh, no. She's falling in love with these boys. Yep. Yep. She really wants her sails back. <sighs> we hate that. 
Now on deck are Charles, Agnes, Mama Coco, Elliot, and Hawthorne. Roz is up top. Each one in turn seems to not see the ship. They're not looking behind them. They're looking somewhere else entirely. Alrighty. Who looks like they're going to take action first? It's Charles. <laughs> so I've activated my sorcery. We have flavored that as the cloak comes down. I don't think that it's this dark, almost menacing shadow anymore. From the way that I'm approaching this, it's almost like this comforting blanket of comforting gloom that surrounds Wayland. Like one of those weighted blankets. Yeah, like a weighted blanket. Those are great, actually, by the way. <laughs> I want one. Wayland walks up to Charles, slow, confident approach, and sees Charles' hand on his gun, getting ready to do something brash, and just slowly and very gently puts his hand on the gun. Brother. His eyes are fixed on a point out at sea. You touch his hand that's holding his pistol. He's ready to go. He just needs an excuse. And you can hear his jaw click as his teeth are ground so tightly together. You can see the vein that shows up at his temple. His knuckles are white. Wayland will look off to where Charles is looking and just stand beside him, hands still on his hand. Tell me what you see. I see that son of a bitch. What hurt my sister? I'm going to beat him senseless, and then I'm going to kill him. Charles. Don't try to stop me, Wayland. He's not there. You're not there. You are here on board the White Rose. I'm here beside you. What you are experiencing right now has been fabricated. But what you are feeling is valid. Look at me. He does. His eyes are slightly glazed. You are surrounded by friends, your family, who love and care about you. We will make him pay for what he did to Charlotte. But that day isn't today. That monster is not in front of you. Bring yourself back. And he blinks rapidly several times, breathes out a breath that he had apparently been holding, and meets your gaze, clearly. You're here, brother. I put my hand up to his cheek, and I bring him and touch his forehead to mine. I'm with you. If you're wanting a kiss from me, you ain't gonna get it. <laughs> uh, you're not my type. And then he breaks away and... <laughs> Shall we? Let's go. He pats you on the shoulder twice. Then he moves on. And I will spend, let's say, two raises for Charles. And when you turn around, that's when you see Agnes stepping up onto the railing. Oh, no. That, like, slow, confident step that he took towards Charles immediately breaks into a run. Yep. As the camera speeds up the deck to Jesse. That's me. That's you. That's our good boy captain. What is the feeling that he feels first? What is the surface feeling? Is it Jonah? Not yet. The very first thing that you feel as you start to take deep breaths and hold your hands tight to the helm and feel everything is a deep-seated hatred. It goes beyond anger. 
And that hatred stems from the most cruel and wicked betrayal, a betrayal of the heart. You feel that all that you have given, all that you are, all that you were was sullied and not only sullied, but treated as nothing. It had no value, worthless, very easily trends downward into, I could have done more. What didn't I do? Why? And then that trends into the fear. And then that trends into despair. That first surface is the thickest layer. As he's focused on just moving forward, his eyes etch something in the light. What appears to be a suspended outstretching cobweb looks like a web but at some point it looks like a hand is coming down to reach his shoulder that hand it wasn't just one or two threads it was bound in several threads in a flash of metal he is unsheathed bramble swung and resheathed in a split second and as you cut it you see it recede all the way back from the sources which is the veil and it turns back into that glitter and sparkling dust. I'm spending three raises. That's fucking delightful and creepy as shit. I love it. I like that a lot. All right, three raises. Boom. Back to Wayland. He grabs Agnes into a warm embrace from behind as the cloak comes around the two of them. She turns on you. And what I mean by that is she was face out towards the sea. She turns in your grasp and punches you right in the face. Mm-hmm. I'll take a wound for that. As I take the punch, I turn my face with it, and as I turn, and I'm going to spend two raises on enlisting the help of someone who isn't affected by the despair, and it's Jory. Okay. But I turn to Jory. And he has a bag of something in his hands. I'm coming, Master Grable. Hold still now. Good lad. And he runs around you in a circle. Agnes hits him again. Agnes punches you again, and this time it's three wounds. She uppercuts you. <clears throat> Bite your own tongue. Yep, there's blood like corn from it. She is swearing in Marcher. She's a fucking rabid animal just trying to get out of your grasp. Hurry, it's done. Step out. And Wayland. Let's her go and dodges another punch. She goes to come after you and just stops and looks down at her feet. There is a circle of salt holding her. Oh, okay. And she looks over at Jory and you see this wash of betrayal and looks back at you and looks at the circle, looks at Jory. How dare you? Jory's clutching the bag of salt Agnes, I'm sorry. I didn't have a choice. You were going to leave the ship, and if you leave the ship, she catches you, and if she catches you, I can't get you back. Waylon turns to Jory with care and turns back to Agnes. We never want to keep you here against your will, but what you're experiencing right now, whatever it is, whatever phantoms are running through your head, they're not there, but we are. 
None of it matters. You don't understand. You have to release me. You have to let me go. He's going to get me. He's right there. Your He's going to take my coat away for good. Agnes. You don't understand. Please. Agnes. I oak and ash and thorn. Unbind me. Jory. Wayland motions for Jory to destroy the circle. You fucking lost your mind. Jory, look at me. He does. And you can see that the fear in his eyes is not for himself. And it's definitely not because of the ghost ship. With care. Jory sighs and swipes the circle with his hand, and it breaks. And the moment it does, Agnes turns on our heel and goes to mount the railing again. Agnes, do you trust me? And just as quickly she turns around and gets in your face, Wayland. How can you expect me to trust you if you can't even trust me to know what's best for me? You, of all the people on this ship, should know better. You know what I am more than anyone on this ship does. I do. Yet you lay hands on me even though I don't like being touched. And you bind me in a circle that I cannot break free from on my own. How can I trust you after all you've done? Do you trust that we have your best interests at heart? Do you trust that we care about you? Do you trust that we would do anything to help you? Anything at all? Even if it meant doing something that hurt us just as much as it hurt you? Do you trust us that we would put ourselves and emotions to everything that she did in harm's way, even if that harm is coming from you, so that we could keep you safe. And the stoic mask that Agnes usually wears cracks. A part of me wants to trust yes, all he is. But you know, you know it's not that easy. It's not as simple as just saying it. I'm not human. I trusted once. I trusted my father to be a good man. But it turns out whenever you give good men power, it corrupts them. When I got my coat, he lost a daughter, but gained a weapon. And I couldn't stay anymore. Just like I can't stay here anymore either. I can't stay anywhere for long. I have to go before he finds me. I have to keep running. No. You can stay with your family, and you can know that we will never let him take you away from us. Look at me. She does. I will do the best that I can to see that you are safe on this ship with these people. Jory perks up and says, Agnes of La Rosa Blanca, hear me now. By the holly and the ivy, the willow and the yew. Dylan looks to Jory. His eyes go wide. Agnes gets unnaturally still. And Jory says, By star and stone, I make this promise to you. For as long as I live, I will do everything humanly possible to make sure that while you're with me, you're safe. And he holds out his hand. And Agnes looks down at it, looks up at him. Do you know what you've done with all that I am and all that I will be? I do. Until my bones sink in the ocean, I do. And until I leave this life to join you in the next one, I do. And Agnes takes Jory's hand. Wayland, you're wearing the mantle right now, which means you get to see it happen. The thread. The threads bind and tie and twist into a, not a braid, but a Celtic knot. Hell yeah. Agnes falls to her knees, 
and so does Jory. And he goes to let go of her because he knows she doesn't like being touched. And she reaches out and just grabs him. <gasps> I'm going to get punched. Oh, oh, you're not, you're not punching me. Oh, you're not punching me. Oh, and he, and he hugs her back. Good lad. They're just going to sit there for a little while. I don't know if this is a thing I can do, but for flavor with the mantle just disperses the salt. Yep. It's gone. Hey, good boy, Jesse. We're going to go back to you. You have gotten rid of the web. Awesome job. Now. The widow is right beside you. She moved up to the side now. She moved up to the side. And you can see Captain Layla Barlow as she's walking from the bowsprit, making her way across the deck as the ship is slowly coming up along your side. And as she is, she's staying in full view of you. Does she look at Jesse? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, I'm going to spend a raise to determine the opportunity to find that connection. He looks over and he, he does the hat tip at her, gives her a little wink, and is inspecting her in the ship and seeing what he can see. Oh, boy. Oh, my. She is solid. She's not ethereal like a ghost is. She's not transparent. And when you wink at her, you give her that flirtatious little ha-ha. Her face, which was stoic and nearly emotionless, twists in visceral anger. She opens her mouth to scream at you, and all of the skin vanishes. You just see the skeletal face. There's that high-pitched banshee wail that twinges your ears a little bit. Everybody on deck hears it and immediately either covers their ears if they're out of the snare or clutches their heart if they're part of the snare. It is just the noise that a heart makes when it breaks. And then you see something else. You see something familiar. You didn't quite notice it before. Maybe it's because you've angered her to the point where her full attention is on you. But you notice that as she points her hand at you and screeches, there is a black spot on her palm. Even as her body goes transparent in that ghostly wail, clear as day, there is a black spot on her palm. And it's huge. It's a large black spot. Oh, oh boy. And as you're looking at it, you get this brief flash of a memory not too long ago. Blood on the charter. And I think on the Fate Witch's charter. Yep. Black spots everywhere. Black spots on cursed charters. She's the captain, so it's visible on her hand. And as she's walking, you can see the rest of the crew, almost as if she is a light, and she shines a light on people as she walks by. Every person that she passes by is weeping, and that's all you can see. You can't see body shape or any kind of defining features other than the face from the cheeks up and it's just tears almost as if like there's physical water leaking from their eyes and you feel your hand start to reach for your cutlass oh boy yeah he doesn't like it because he was very 
very specifically holding on to the helm very tightly. Mm-hmm. And it is let go and is reaching for your cutlass. <laughs> Are you going to spend two raises? Oh, yeah. Can I? I thought I had to wait an extra turn. You can absolutely fight it. Cool beans. Wayland. Oh, yeah. All right. Hey, buddy. Turn to Mama Coco. Where is Mama Coco? Mama Coco is wandering the deck with her hands on anything that she can touch. She finds the railing, has both hands gripped on it, and is feeling her way along the railing. Oh, no. I hate it. Wayland is going to walk up to Mama Coco as she is feeling around. He's going to put his hand right beneath where hers is about to land. She grabs it, holds it. Bereson. Wayland. Talk me through what you're doing. I'm having a lot of trouble right now. I can't see anything. I'm cut off. It's like there's a veil or something over my eyes. That is an incredibly poignant choice of words. Very well done. Is she forgetting that she's blind? No, no, no. no. She's cut off from all of her other extrasensory. All of her other senses. Gotcha. I see. All I can hear is this pitiful crying. Is it Agnes? Is it Jory? Who's in trouble? Everybody's okay. Charles is fine. Jory and Agnes are together. Chip is moving so much. I can't get my foot in. I know. It even smells wrong. Normally I can smell the sea and fish. I know. Everything about this is wrong. Well, and I smell the bars. I smell the dirt. Oh, you're not there. You haven't been there in a long time. And you will never be there again. What do you want to do right now? Agwe keeps trying to tell me. He says he can help me see. I, I need to see. I need to see what's going on. I can't help if I can't see. I have a question for you. Hopefully I have an answer. Without him taking over fully, without fulfilling that deal, can we talk to him? I've only ever been able to talk to him. Why? I'm going to try and talk to him. What? What I want to do in this moment is I want to have a dialogue with Agwe in the same way Shade and Paga had a dialogue with me. And I want to use the mantle of Paga to stand on equal footing with Agwe and go to bat for Mama Coco. Fuck yeah. Take a fucking hero point. That's phenomenal. Fuck yes. Hell yeah. Fuck yes. Abso-fucking-lutely. Oh, I'm so excited you said yes to that. Uh... Okay. Mama Coco grabs both of your hands and kneels down on the deck. And then she just leans over to one side and sits. All right. I never tried this before, but... We're going to go through it together. It's going to be an interesting new experience, but I've got a good feeling about this. I'm putting all my faith in you right now. I promise my hands are good hands for you to be in. All right. And she takes your hands and puts them on her head. Paga, I want you to open a dialogue. Between us and Captain Ogwe. Please. Paga does not respond. Paga doesn't normally talk to you. Right. As you close your eyes and focus, there's an image in your head. And you see this dark, shadowed cloak in the form and the shape of a person. You can't see the face. It's hidden in shadow. You can't see the body. It's hidden in shadow. 
but it's basically just a hood. It is a mantle wearing a person. Yes. And then the very tip of the cloak reaches out and starts to tendril and move and wind and weave. And then we see a ship you have never seen before. The reason I say that is because it does not look like a ship. It is moving like a shark through the waves. Its sails are fins that are moving and opening and closing and turning. And you see this person at the helm. Big, wide shark grin on his face with a captain's hat and a long, flowing cloak coat adorned in blues and greens and whites and silvers. He looks like he's wearing a wave. And he turns, and you see not a human skull. You see some kind of sea creature. Not a fish, but something more prehistoric. And he looks at you, and he notices you. And the camera is you right now. So Agwe is looking right at the camera, right at the audience. I don't think I give you permission to come aboard. Who might you be? Captain Ogwe, my name is Wayland Greywall, Master at Arms of the White Rose. Ah, I remember you now. And what might be bringing you to my company? I seek parlay. At the word parlay, he lifts his eyebrow and grins. And what be your terms? Merely a conversation so that we may come to an understanding as far as Varus and Rococo is concerned. Agwe thinks for a moment. You can see his eyebrows furrow, and he actually lifts a skeletal hand. And I don't mean skeletal in the spooky sense. You could still see the afterimage of the hand, but you see the bones. And he strokes his scraggly beard. He looks like he's been swimming in the ocean for a very long time. He then responds... Let it be known, I don't negotiate on behalf of my civite. But since you invoked parley, continue. I appreciate the respect, and the respect is returned in kind. You, I believe, understand that the current situation and the things that Verison are experiencing are falsehoods, an illusion, not real. And yet you play on those fears as if they were. You seek to assume control under the guise of a lie. Is that the kind of man you are? That you would use another's treachery to further your own gains? In our previous encounters, you struck me as nothing but an honest man. With a singular goal in mind, yes. But one that followed rules. A rule set that you created. Now it appears to me that you are taking advantage of a situation that you did not create yourself. Nor was it created by your sevite that was thrust upon them without their doing. You are attempting to abuse these unfounded fears to get what you want. He thrusts a finger out at you. Let me make one thing perfectly clear. 
I am no man. And he starts to get really upset, and the ship actually responds to him. You come into my domain. You insult me, and you dare think me the jailer of the Sevite. I should gut you right here, and chum the waters with you so Navire can eat. It appears there was a misunderstanding. I apologize. I meant no such implication that you were abusing Verison. We Lawa are invited guests, and we tend to our hosts. That might not be in their best interest at the moment, but we make sure they're well taken care of, and Masevite has dealt with enough. That she has. I believe that you and I are coming from a place of care for Varison. You and I are on the same side. Would you agree? I... I attend my sevite. In this moment, in this instance where the truth is twisted and reality does not behave by its own bylaws, I humbly request that you allow Verison to traverse this path alone, without your assistance and trust in her crew and me that we will keep her safe. That we will keep her protected. That is my request of you, good captain. I will let my civite deal with it. However, should the tragedy befall my civite, you will become my next host. Do we have an accord? Okay, gotta make sure that doesn't happen. Uh... <laughs> Wayland is going to think for a moment and is going to briefly set into a moment of meditation. And he's going to attempt to reach out to Paga for guidance in this situation. You feel it? There is a distaste for what has been offered. And you get the sense that they can coexist together, but not peacefully. Right. I don't want this to happen. I will do whatever I can to make this not happen. If I do take this deal, is there a possibility of avoiding that outcome? Absolutely. Okay, cool. I understand. How many raises do you have left? Uh, I have four left. And I've got two hero points left. Okay. This is interesting. I This is new. I did not know this was a purely a gamble. And I had no idea how this was going to go. So here we are. Here we are. Parlay's negotiations. You've given your terms. He's given his. Now it's just whether you accept them or not. What are the consequences if I don't accept that Agwe takes over Mama Coco or... Agwe is going to do everything in his best interest, not necessarily hers, to keep his Sevite from being ensnared by this curse. Right. This is my way of attempting to break Mama Coco of the despair and helping her understand that she's in control. That it's not Captain Agwe, that if she is ever in trouble, she does not have to go to Captain Agwe. Which is the only thing that she's known. When things are at their worst... She's gone to Captain Ogway. Right. 
Instead, you can go for your friends. Yeah, friendship. If I say no, can I attempt another way? You can, yeah, you can counter argument. Yep. While I'm figuring this out, while Wayland is dealing with that, could we cut back to Jesse? Yeah, absolutely. Humor me for a moment. How long would it take for us to get to those initial Rahuri Islands? These islands up here, right? We're looking at the same thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would that take like the better part of a day or two days? You are definitely closer to that. What I'm trying to do here is really pull Wheelman into play. I want to find a bunch of rocky islands, and I want to, one, get out of sight of the Relentless. And two, I know it's a ghost ship, but make it not be behind us anymore. If it means we're going through some weird water. I got you. So, more to the point, the depth actually changes Right now, you're in the deepest part of the channel. That's how you avoid most of the sandbars and the rocky outcroppings. You could absolutely get into that more shallow area and just be very vigilant on skirting the sandbars. I mainly just want to get out of sight of the Relentless. So if I can, I'd love to spend my last phrase to get out of sight of the Relentless. That is absolutely something that you can do. <laughs> so Raz comes down near you as the ghost ship is right up alongside you, and he could see it clear as day. Capitano? I. We are now out of sight of the Relentless. Good. The moment we go out of sight, Jesse knows that everyone is having a bad time, and deactivate the sails. <laughs> deactivate the sails. <laughs> sails are on cooldown now, guys. He's gonna pull his head off and swing himself into a bow, specifically at her. Please step back on his head. Jesse looks up once again and says, For as long as we shall live. The widow starts to just fade and become that strange wispiness. And we see Layla reaching out and then she vanishes. Those wails and those cries vanish into obscurity like a ghost into sea spray. All of the noise comes back. The creaking and the rigging and everything. The waves are up against the ship. The other sails have dropped now. You're full sail out at sea. And you're now at sea. Can I feel the change in the weird extra dimensional space that we're in? You will be able to, yes. You need to spend some raises, buddy. <laughs> what have you got for me? Yes, yes, I do. Before we proceed any further, and before I accept any terms of this deal, there is a mistake I have made before, and that I refuse to make again. And that mistake was not involving every party currently dealing with a situation. I believe we should hear Verison's take on what we have discussed. He gives you that fuck you look, like... Wayland's learning. You're learning. And he just shakes his head, waves his hand... And you hear Varison's thoughts as she isn't physically present for this, but mentally she's there. All right, two things about this. One, I'm fine with that deal. I trust you. Two, if you ever utter the words Miss Rococo again, <laughs> I will smack that tongue right out of your mouth. I might be pushing 50. 
I don't need you to remind me of it. My mistake. So, is that all four raises going to Mama Coco? Yes. Perfect. Boom. Done and done. Well, the situation's resolved itself, so I could just take the deal because the situation's over. I don't, I don't want to risk it. Is that how that works? I feel like you guys go to shake on it. That's how deals are made. So yeah, Wayland goes to take the deal. And the rush of sound of the waves against the ship. Paga, you son of a... And then you get launched backwards. Oh, I love that! Wayland goes ass over tea kettle. Because <laughs> they, were, they were sitting down. So I yeah, imagine. you guys were sitting were... down, yep. Oh. oh, oh! I think that's the most eloquent I've ever been in my life. Oh, got a taste of his own medicine there. <laughs> I'm sorry, and you're welcome. <laughs> Don't be. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That was interesting. I don't know if I'm doing that again. Huh. Is everyone all right? Everybody seems to have snapped out of whatever's happening if they were still ensnared. If not, they've gotten to their feet and are looking around. Agnes is back to her normal self and pushes Jory away and he stumbles backwards. All right, all right, sorry. Yeah, that tracks. Okay. Just eyes to Jesse. I trust that Charles is fine. I'm... I'm good. You all right? Just call it Wayland Stupidity Incorporated. Here to help you make bad decisions and occasionally have good outcomes. <laughs> we are a limited license company. Hmm. Sorry, I asked. Uh, <laughs> just collapse. And you guys head on your way back to Aragosta. As the camera transitions into darkness... We find the camera as a body passes over it at a familiar bar. And the sounds are starting to come in of glasses clinking, of dishes moving, of Charlotte's voice say, I'll be right with you. And we hear Ideta Kumbo's big booming voice, another round. And a bunch of cheers go up. And the camera is focused on the wall of charters. And one of them, a small one, somewhere near the top, begins to curl ever so slightly. And then we watch as this charter, the silver fin, goes up with white-hot flames. And the bar is silent. And you can't hear the flames. You can't hear the crackling of the paper. You can't hear anything. And when Charlotte comes over and is holding that big gigantic abalone shell to catch the ashes, there's nothing to catch. She looks down at it, looks up at the charter as it burns into nothing, and then looks over at Adetokumbo. And Adetokumbo is smiling. For once, he is happy to see a charter burn. And Lucky Sevens, who is a well-known patron, also smiles, and he raises his drink. Bless your soul, Captain Kip. You bested the devil himself. And Idetokumbo raises his drink and clinks it with Lucky Sevens's, and everybody raises their drink and clinks it, and Charlotte 
walks over to Adetokumbo, looking very upset. There's, there's no ashes. He puts a big gigantic hand on her shoulder and crouches down to her level. Ah, darling, we don't have to. He's all right. And he looks up and then he winks at Charlotte. And Charlotte looks up and nods and smiles. And he hands Charlotte a shot for Captain Kip. Captain Kip. And she takes it. <clears throat> Kip, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and we cut away from that. You see, all's well that ends well. That scene that you just heard in the bucket of blood, that's a sting cut. That's what I use to show my players that the world still moves while they're away. That life goes on, despite or because of the choices they've made. As the story goes on, I cannot promise or deny that there will be any more such deaths. But when they happen, I'll be sure to warn you. I hope you are comforted by the fact that Captain Kip and his crew are in a much better place. As for what lies in store at Aragosta for Jesse and Wayland, you'll just have to see on the next episode. We'll see you then, friend. It's cutthroat out there. Be safe and well.